Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy. Hey, it's Sana. And we've got Lorraine Singh. Oh my God, it's Lorraine Singh. Oh wait, that's me. Those still sound like uh, laser guns. Yeah, no, Judy does laser guns and then I follow suit. It's supposed to be fui, 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 the sound of a rigatoon <laughs> dance horn. But I feel it, like <laughs> all of you are wrong. <laughs> Can we have some auto-tune? I, did, I didn't say it was good. I just said it's a thing. <laughs> I feel like this is really appropriate because you're talking 2010s today, right? I'm talking the future. I'm talking now. I'm talking this decade. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah. Sana, just... if you don't know, I've been on the Women of Marvel podcast oh. once a month all year long celebrating Marvel's 80th anniversary, oh. breaking down different historic moments for the most awesome ladies, in my personal opinion, in the Marvel Universe for each decade. Oh my God, is it Marvel's 80th? Oh boy. <laughs> just kidding. Becca's going to kill you, Sana. <laughs> I'm just joshing. I'm so proud of the fact that Marvel has been around for 80 years. Um, Sana, I just want you to know you should feel extra special for this one because yeah, yeah, Ms. Marvel's yeah. in it. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it, Sana. It's weird when you do it. <laughs> there was too much. You guys couldn't see it, but there is too much shoulder action. She's, yeah, she's really, she's dancing in her head over here. It's related to my culture, okay? Okay, I can't <laughs> argue with that. <laughs> we dance with our shoulders, my people. <laughs> Can you tell them more about the Bangra stories? <laughs> oh, when I um, <laughs> co-founded a Bangra team in college? Yes, it was great. I tracked the only Sikh person on campus, and I said, yo, do you want to make a Bangra team together? <laughs> hey, and guess what? It worked. We did. And that team still exists. Yeah, so the lesson is believe in your dreams, even if you come across like a crazy person. <laughs> Who turned out to be perfectly fine. Totally. Hey, and, and then we also got Ms. Marvel out of it with that same kind of philosophy. So I mean, speaking about Ms. Marvel, we're actually been doing a fun photo op uh, at New York Comic Con. <gasps> yeah. So if you guys are listening to this and you're coming to New York Comic Con, it's at Saturday at 1 o'clock. Come join us for a big photo op. We want all the Kamala fans and cosplayers, you name it. Plus the women Marvel's coming. Yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be a fun event. Yeah, you guys have a panel. Mm-hmm. A panel, yeah, it's on Sunday. Oh, it's pronounced panel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday, uh, October 6th at 12.15 p.m. in room 1806. 1824 is TWIM. It yeah. sure is. See that one on Thursday, 2.45 p.m. I know it now. And we also have uh, a very special world premiere of Operation Shuri for Marvel Rising. Um, so make sure you stay Come cozy because it's going to be a fun and longer than usual panel. But we have treats. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm so excited. Shuri, she got a, she's got a thing. She's doing a thing. Yeah. So you're talking 2010s. 2010s. We're going to do some history. I'm going to highlight some ladies that are important to this decade. I talk about Ms. Marvel, Moon Girl, and Ironheart. Who is your favorite lady out of the 2010s? Obviously, Kamala Khan doesn't count because I know that's number one. But it really. has to be Kamala Khan. <laughs> I'm looking at you in the eye. <laughs> it's okay. I'm giving you a pass. Outside of Kamala Khan, who do you love? I'm going to give an honorable mention, since I don't go into her story very much in this, to a uh, good old Unstoppable Wasp, Nadia Van Dyne. Mm, that's a good um, one. 
again, I didn't. I talked about her a little bit uh, peripherally because I we we've had a wasp for a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I like that her story deals with mental illness, but also women in science, women in STEM, and uh, finding other important women to lift you up. I think we should listen to it. This week, we are talking about the 2010s. That is the current decade that we're in now. Y'all were caught up. Um, we're going to be talking about three incredible kids because apparently it's all about the future because I believe the children are the future, to quote a poet. Uh, so <laughs> let's get into it. First up, we're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel, then Ironheart, and then Moon Girl. Kicking it off with Ms. Marvel because she is simply a dang delight and also she was the first one to be created. So let's go. She made her first appearances in Captain Marvel number 14, uncredited, uh, shadowy figure-esque uh, in 2013, and then in the all-new Marvel Now point one, which is a long way of saying that was sort of a way that they showed off some new relaunches of characters, as well as new characters coming that year. There was a big refresh in the Marvel Comics line, and Ms. Marvel was a part of that. But her story really comes to life and kicks off in Ms. Marvel number one in 2014. So who the heck is Kamala Khan if you're not familiar yet, or maybe you are, lucky you. Kamala Khan was a teenage girl growing up in New Jersey, just your average teen girl dealing with problems, friendships, school, but she is our first Muslim American character in Marvel Comics, which was a big, exciting thing at the time. And if you guys listen to the Women of Marvel podcast, it's like you get to hang out with Kamala every day because in large part... Uh, Sana Amanith, who is a host of the Women of Marvel podcast, was part of this character's inception and creation. Her and her editor, Steve Wacker, who used to work here at Marvel Comics, now works for Marvel Television, would sit in their office and talk about Sana's growing up years. Those stories became fodder and uh, some of the fire behind Ms. Marvel. So, you guys, it's like you have your own Kamala right all the time in your ears. But this Kamala exists in the Marvel Universe, and one of my favorite things about her is that she is a fangirl. She loves Marvel superheroes just as much as you or I. She lives across the river in New Jersey, so she kind of just enjoys superheroes from afar. She writes fanfic. She's probably like on Tumblr. That's her vibe, right? Because she is Muslim and because she's the children of immigrants, she has a little bit more strict household. Uh, she can't really go out with boys or go out at night. They're pretty uh, stern and strict about the way that their daughter behaves. And uh, she's just a normal teenage kid who wants to like go out and have fun and do things that she wants to do because she wants to do them. She's also not very good at necessarily breaking the rules. Uh, it's not really her way, but, you know, sometimes you just got to break the rules. She gets invited to a party. So she snuck out to this party to go hang out and just be a normal dang teenager. However, at the same time, there was a huge event happening in Marvel Comics where a Terrigen bomb had gone off and destroyed the Inhuman planet. And there were pieces of it falling into the Hudson River, which is what connects Manhattan and New Jersey. So these Terrigen mists had been running rampant. They'd been kind of going rogue into different areas. Some humans were consumed by them and some humans found out that they had an inhuman gene when they basically their bodies covered over in cocoons and then they would reemerge with superpowers, sometimes being incredibly changed forever in sometimes horrific ways and some just wake it up and being like, wow, I've got some great superpowers now. 
So Kamala is out at this party and she's kind of dealing with a lot of the stuff that teenagers deal with at a party. It's mean girls, people drinking illegally, and she's faced with a lot of stuff that she's not maybe super ready to deal with. And so she's like, you know what? I think I'm ready to go home. So Kamala Khan is walking home from the party, trying to do the right thing. The mists roll in. She's covered over in a cocoon. And Captain Marvel appears to her almost as like a saint. She kind of looks like uh, some sort of Botticelli painting. And she's sort of speaking to Kamala. She emerges from her cocoon. And the first thing that she does is transform her into Ms. Marvel. And I'm talking old school Ms. Marvel, like wearing the black bathing suit with the lightning bolt and the sash. And Kamala is so confused. What is happening to her? She goes home. She tries to figure out what is the deal. She figures out eventually that she's a polymorph. She can change size. She can change shape. And she can change the way that she looks. And she realizes, given her love of superheroes, seeing the world around her, that she can't just sit idly by and not use her superpowers for good. What kind of fangirl would she be if she just sat around and did nothing with it? She decides to step up and take on her own version of the Ms. Marvel costume. And, you know, it's interesting for her because her family doesn't want her out at night. What are people doing, superheroes doing at night? Fighting crime. So she's going to have to sneak out and go against her parents to do the thing that is right for herself and for her community. She also is put in the awkward position where she has her two good friends that she has to lie to. Of course, her best friend Nakia is not so excited about this, especially because Nakia is a very devout Muslim and she doesn't super love the hijinks and what she can tell are probably lies coming from her best friend. I also love that there's some really beautiful moments about dealing with being Muslim in America Zoe is sort of this bully around school, and there's actually this really interesting moment where she's giving Nakia a hard time about wearing a hijab. Zoe says, oh, I bet your dad forces you to wear that. And she's like, no, actually, he hates that I wear it. I choose to wear this because this is the way that I want to present myself in the world, Uh, which I think is just kind of an interesting comment on um, how different people get to celebrate their religion and how they feel about it. What I really, really love about Miss Marvel, though, is as she steps up into her powers, she ultimately realizes that she is fighting for her generation. She takes on a bad guy called the Inventor in her first big story arc, and he's all about literally stealing children and using them as batteries, using them as electricity, because he doesn't feel that teens have value. And she's really fighting for her generation to have value, to make positive change, and I think it really really shows the spirit of the generation of kids now that are fighting to have a better future for themselves and for their kids. Uh, And I love that spirit of Kamala Khan. And plus, look, she's all of us. I truly think that Kamala Khan is the Spider-Man of our era. The first run is famously written by G. Willow Wilson, and the characters were designed by Adrian Alfona, who If you guys know and love Runaways like I love Runaways, he also worked on Runaways. So he is so great at creating this world of teen drama. And of course, you should check out the current ongoing series, Magnificent Ms. Marvel, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Minkyu Jung. It's awesome. 
Next up, Ironheart, a.k.a. Riri Williams. She first appeared in Iron Man number 7 in 2016, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Mike Diodato. She is a teen genius from the south side of Chicago. And it really starts with her story pretty early. She's a tiny kid when her father is shot in a just a random act of violence on the south side of Chicago. And in dealing with the trauma of that, her mom takes her to a psychologist and the psychologist realizes that not only is this kid dealing with the loss of a father, she also is a super genius. And that the main thing that they need to focus on is to not let her isolate herself because she will feel alone because she is so intelligent. Her mom gets remarried to an awesome stepdad who takes a big investment in her education and her having a full life. She also makes friends with a neighbor girl named Natalie who makes sure that she doesn't just like hang out in the garage tinkering with projects all day and uh, is kind of like a normal kid. Around the age of 13, they go to have a party at a park, which Natalie, of course, is like, boys are going to be there, so we got to go. So they go, and there is another random act of violence. Her stepfather is shot, and so is her best friend. Her mother has lost two husbands at this point, so you can only imagine how terrifying and terrible this is. This also isolates Riri. And what was that thing that the psychologist said? Well, if she's isolated, she's going to go into her projects. She graduates high school in two years and goes to attend MIT, which we all know is one of the most difficult schools to get into in the United States. Now that Riri has a bigger lab to work in at MIT, she starts just being obsessed with reverse engineering her own Iron Man armor, one of the earlier armors that belonged to Tony Stark, because she just really wants to stop the senseless violence that she has seen growing up. And hey, she manages to do it because guess what? She's a super genius. So she decides to take it for a little test flight. And while she's doing that, she runs into some escaped convicts and she stops them. Well, guess what? That wasn't like the low key flight that just like goes under the radar. Guess who's showing up at her mom's house? Tony Stark. So Riri goes back to stay with her mom to kind of lay low. Tony Stark shows up and he's like, actually, this isn't so bad. You know what? You got my vote of confidence. Go on, be a superhero. Her poor mom. She's already lost two husbands. Do you think she can handle putting her kid in harm's way to help anyone? I don't think that's anything that a mom wants to go through. But she sees that this is something Riri is passionate about and as supportive as she can be. Now, this quickly leads into Tony Stark entering into the second superhero civil war where him and Captain Marvel face off and things don't go so great for him. He's pretty much out of commission and Ironheart steps up to fill in for Tony Stark and uh, she gets a really big run taking on some pretty big villains as her own Iron Man or woman. Ironheart, we'll say. I also just love this book for so many reasons, besides the fact that it sort of addresses some interesting world topics that I think that we see all the time in the news. I love that Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote this run, has two African-American daughters, and he felt very passionate about having more superheroes that look like the people in the world. And I think it's really cool that he introduced this character, and especially in such a brilliant way. I just think she's really inspiring. She's really fun. And honestly, her design is so cool. I kind of aspire to be as cool as Riri Williams, but nobody is. 
And last, but certainly not least, Moon Girl, a.k.a. Lunella Lafayette. She was introduced in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one, also in 2016, written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reeder. And this is also going to have some inhuman ties, we'll say. Lunella Lafayette is a pretty average little kid. She's about nine years old. She's grown up on Yancey Street, which is famously the home of The Thing. That's also where he grew up. Uh, We like to consider it sort of an approximation of Delancey Street here in New York City. And it's down on the Lower East Side. She goes to PS20, which is a public school. That's what we call them here. And she really, really wanted to be accepted to the Future Foundation uh, and, you know, travel through space and study there. But she wasn't accepted. Heart crushing. So she continues to just be a brilliant little kid who goes to school on the Lower East Side. Interesting history tidbit you may not know. Way back in the old days, there used to be this book called Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. It took place way back in prehistoric times in sort of an alternate sort of universe that was a time when it was early primate man and dinosaurs coexisting. So obviously not real life. So anyways, back to Lunella. She finds this Cree object called an Omniwave projector, which she just happens to kind of come across on the Lower East Side. And she's like, great, I can use this to monitor those Terrigen mists that turn Miss Marvel into Miss Marvel. Remember those? So those mists are still roaming around, rampantly changing people. Some of them are turning into crazy squid monsters. So she's not really super into going through any kind of cocoon change. She's not really sure if she has an inhuman gene. She doesn't know if the mists will just overpower her. She's nine years old. So she's just keeping an eye on them. However, she goes to school. She's got her OmniWave projector. Her coach is like, hey, you can't have toys in here. It's out of here. And he accidentally opens a portal to that prehistoric alternate timeline that we were talking about. Devil Dinosaur is being chased by the killer folk. They are the villains of that timeline and of that Moon Boy book that I was talking about previously. So he's being chased. He makes his way through being chased by these baddies. And Lunella meets the best pet ever. (laughs) The killer folks get a hold of the OmniWave projector, and she is on the hunt to figure out what the heck to do. So anyways, for a while, she's going back and forth. She's hanging out with Devil Dinosaur. She's hiding him in her secret lair, which is underneath PS20. It's her like secret cool lab. And the fun thing about Lunella in general is that she's a kid inventor, right? She's super smart, But the stuff that she comes up with is from a kid's mind. So she's like, okay, I need to get somewhere fast. Rocket skates. Okay, I need to punch somebody. I need to have a punching glove that ejects out. I need to fly. I'll just put a propeller in my backpack. So all of her inventions are like just super cute and charming and fun. Her and Devil Dinosaur are teaming up. They're trying to fight crime. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the killer folk. They need the Omni Wave projector back. They finally get it back from the killer folk. But lo and behold, Lunella was so distracted, she noticed not that the mists were rolling in. And what do you know? She cocoons over and she reemerges and she's okay. She's actually pretty much fine, except for now she's the smartest person on earth. She's the smartest person that has ever existed. Uh, In fact, the Hulk catches up with her, gives her a little test. And he's like, wow, you're the smartest person on earth now. All right. She's got another little power up her sleeve, which is that her and Devil Dinosaur can mind swap. Unfortunately, she's a kid and she's still figuring out her powers. So sometimes it happens at inopportune moments where Lunella's body is in a classroom, but Devil Dinosaur is growling in her class. And suddenly Lunella Lafayette is Devil Dinosaur. 
somewhere. Uh, so that has been an interesting thing to see unfold. And I think the thing that is just super inspiring about Lunella in general is not only is it such a fun comic where it's like a little girl with her huge dinosaur pal fighting crimes, doing their best, coming up with awesome inventions. It's really inspiring to get to see a kid be really, truly the smartest person on Earth and to have all of that potential inside of her. And in fact, Lunella's story would go on to inspire future Marvel characters. Nadia Van Dyne, the unstoppable wasp, would be introduced later. And the fact that Lunella existed and was the smartest person on earth and nobody noticed her made her think, wow, there must be a lot of other girls that nobody has bothered to notice who are geniuses. So she founds a group called Girl, or Genius in Action Research Labs, to foster the growth of young women in the scientific fields and finds all kinds of other geniuses. The idea that a girl can be smart and powerful and a hero, I think, has been one of the most exciting things about getting to be part of comics in this decade. I know definitely for me. It's been such a joy for me because I have gotten to work for Marvel most of this decade. And to see these characters spring up from the spirit of this generation that is in front of us right now. It's just really exciting to see superhero stories told in such a new light. To see women who are in tech, who are in engineering, who are inventors... To have all kinds of different interests and different personalities and different backgrounds, honestly, to just see young women treated as geniuses and brilliant in their own right is something that my soul needed and I didn't know it. And uh, I love that I have comics that I can give to my friends' kids and say, hey, look at these awesome superheroes. And it doesn't really matter that they're girl superheroes because they're just awesome superheroes. Thanks again, Lorraine, for joining us. The amount of, uh, you know, detailing that you did for all of our characters throughout the year is great. Plus, I mean, you, everyone should go buy your book. Yeah, Marvel Powers of a Girl. I talk about all of these female superheroes and a lot more than I got to talk about in the podcast. So go check that out. It's a whole book of them with beautiful, beautiful, beautiful illustrations by Alice Egg I did not draw them. I am bad at drawing. But she's also going to be at New York Comic Con. She should go say hi to her, maybe buy some art from her at our booth. And speaking of New York Comic Con, Women Marvel is returning. Um, our panel is on Sunday, October 6th at 12.15 p.m. in room 1A06. And what else do we got, Sana? We have uh, a bunch of awesome guests on the panel um, as well as Marvel Rising Operation Shuri, the world premiere. The world premiere. Plus, Lorraine, you got your panel too. Yeah, I'm going to be on the This Week in Marvel panel. It's a Spider-Man spectacular. We're going to be talking about all things Spiderman. So come on by. It's on uh, Thursday at 2.45 p.m. in room 1A24. Yeah, and make sure you guys tune in to marvel.com slash NYCC2019 because we're going to be live streaming throughout the weekend. And if you're not able to make it, you can stay tuned because it's going to be tons of great content. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we have not announced yet, which we will be announcing. So just stay tuned to Marvel and all of our social handles as well because we'll be sharing a lot of great goodies. Oh, and hey, I'm just going to call it out. If you see me, and I assume these ladies, uh, out on the con floor, please say hi. We love to meet people who listen to our podcasts and uh, hang out with us on, on the other side of the internet. It's and, really nice. Yeah, and we might give you a pin. Yeah, we got stuff. Come find us for stuff. Yeah. This is Marvel. Your universe. Toot toot. <laughs>